0: Hunters. Welcome to episode six of Super- Win- God damn it. <laughs> Supernatural Books, The Winchesters and Pros. I'm Lane. I'm Diane.
1: <laughs> we think.
0: <laughs> and today we're covering chapter seven and eight of the supernatural book Nevermore by Keith R.A. DeCandido.
1: I think we should just give this, because I'm trying to put myself in the mind frame of like, this is way, way back. But it's still for me is like, you get half a U tried sticker <laughs> like if I was a if I was an elementary school teacher, you wouldn't get a pumpkin sticker for this what the writer? yeah, I'm gonna bet that he was a very young writer at this time,
0: yeah, probably, and uh I think also at this time, and probably still nowadays maybe it's getting a little better. the bar for basically fan fiction for any kind of licensed book is uh pretty low.
1: We really, I really do feel like we should call this book The Bemoaning of Parking in New York City.
0: <laughs> Quoth the raven, never park. So, let me read the first couple paragraphs of chapter 7 as I do to kind of get us into the uh, the mindset of where we are. And chapter 7 begins on page 88. The Ephiri House, The Bronx, New York, Friday, 17 November 2006. Sam could hear Pink Floyd's The Great Gig in the Sky from Manfred's house before he even parked the Impala, this time finding a spot between two driveways across the street from the house, and he wondered if the same neighbors who objected to Scotso rehearsing in the house would object to Dean flaring the stereo. Instead, Sam thought he'd be deafened by the music and was grateful that he came home when Dean was playing the more low-key strains of Floyd rather than, say, Metallica or ACDC or Deep Purple. So... In the first sentence, we're talking about parking again. Yay!
1: That's we're... the best part of this book. I feel like if we took out every mention of parking in this book, the book would be like a it, it'd be a novella, lake. yeah. But,
0: uh, but so yeah. so uh, Sam goes inside and he sees Dean kicked all the way
1: back in the recliner. I will say that he calls it. He says an easy chair, and then it was a recline. Like he has to explain to us what an easy chair is. And the fact that it's a recliner it, that the feet go up and the thing has a thing on the side that goes down. Yeah. And it's just like because no one's ever seen one of those before.
0: And it's written in a way that almost makes it look like Sam is looking down on Sam for sitting in a recliner like that. Dean. Yeah, Dean is sitting in a recliner like that. That that's kind of what they're for.
1: He yeah, basically in like we've seen him do this. Um, in the show where like he's kind of like drumming along to whatever and just like having some fun. And so it's kind of like the most Dean thing. That's how we got that amazing eye of the tiger video. I will say it is very eye of the tiger actually. Mm-hmm. but I will say that they do at least say that Dean was doing some work mm-hmm. because he was flipping through Dad's journal and Sam's laptop was precariously balanced on some old newspapers because it was the closest plug.
0: Yeah, he's multitasking, so it's fine.
1: So, at least he's working. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know if I've seen him do a whole lot in the show. Like, I've seen him in front of the computer looking for stuff, so I, at least they have that in there. Like, oh, there is some actual research going on. They He didn't just, because the last time it sounded like he just left Dean to play yeah. while he was working.
0: And he, he's he's playing and working. So, yeah, like, the the... Laptop is balanced there because it's the only free outlet in the house, and uh, there's albums all over the floor. Um, Sam asks his brother if he found anything, to which re- Dean replies that he had, but it wasn't exactly great news. And Sam's like, Hold on, hold that thought, I'm gonna go get some coffee. And
1: then they once again talk for a good half a page about a, pay- a full Sam bait and a f- coffee yeah. and why he doesn't like coffee. But he drinks it anyway. Oh, he drinks it anyways, and he likes the more quote-unquote froofy drinks. Mm-hmm. And I've never actually seen froofy spelled out, so that was fun. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> and he, you know, we get at least a paragraph of him wondering why Manfred has a kiss-me-on-Irish coffee mug.
1: Well, I okay, I did find this one kind of cute, but also kind of stupid, where he said that the beverage tastes like drinking hot sulfur, and that he actually had drunk hot sulfur once by accident yeah.
0: during a job. And I was gonna look up what drinking sulfur would do to a person, but yeah, I was like,
1: that doesn't sound like something we were supposed to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I was just like, "Is that going to affect him differently because of stuff we find out later?"
0: Yeah, we get like most of a page talking about him getting coffee. He goes back to the living room where Dean is just flipping over Dark Side of the Moon, and the song Money begins. And the beginning of that song has always reminded me of the beginning of Are You Being Served? <laughs> Um So Dean says that he found the ritual in Dad's notebook, but it wasn't where he figured it would be. It was in the back, which is where Dad filed all the fakes and phonies, the rituals that didn't do anything, and the monsters that didn't exist. Dean then asks Sam if he'd ever heard of Percival Samuels, and when Sam says that he hasn't, Dean tells him that Samuels was a spiritualist in the, n- the late 1800s and no, early 1900s. And apparently he was quite the nut job, even by the standards of late 19th century con artist spiritualists.
1: Now, I did look up this guy. He does not exist. Mm. And I've noticed a lot that the people that the author is bringing up either don't exist or that's not actually their name. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, like, he was just pulling it from somewhere, like... Percival was like the one true pure knight of the round table. Ooh. Um, and there is current Dr. Samuels who believes that spiritualism is the stagnation of the soul. So I think he's one of those like doctor, not MD, but, like religious theology type.
0: Hmm.
1: Interesting. But I didn't wonder why John would have an entire section in the back of something that he considers fake. Yeah. When he kind of like, it always seemed like he was more of a, I believe, just about everything. Or
0: if it wasn't true, then he wasn't even going to waste his time with it.
1: Right. Now, like, it could be, but I don't know why he would have such a huge section in the back of the book about that. That's a waste of paper.
0: I did like the part where Sam was talking about he wished he'd had time to kind of digitize the journal and cross-index and this and that. And the librarian and I me, mean, he's like, that's a really fucking good idea.
1: Yeah, it's smart. And, like, I feel like that might be something they started doing later on, like, when they were in the Middle Letters Bunker. Mm-hmm. But I, I did have that. I also had that highlighted. Yeah. I was like, that's actually a decent idea. Yeah. And I feel like he could, like, do a little bit of it
0: whenever they hit a hotel r- or motel room. And I don't know, maybe by the time they get to a motel room, they're just so dog-tired, they just pass out, so.
1: I-, I wouldn't doubt that. But
0: it is a good idea, Sam, so points to you.
1: Plus, I don't think he has, like, a scanner.
0: And they could take pictures of it. He could type it out.
1: This is, like, two thousand. 2006 that's a lot of extra stuff
0: one thing i did when i was in grad school was i uh, transcribed some letters from world war ii and cross-indexed and created a finding aid for them so you could say okay anytime they mention this you go to this letter this letter this letter
1: yeah but like when you were in grad school that was during world war ii so
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was only 2010 so, he says that there was good money in spiritualism if you were any good at it, but Samuels was not any good at it. So, he tried his own twist by peddling a resurrection spell that could bring dead relatives back.
1: Yeah, so he was like, a snake oil salesman, mm-hmm. which were also big back in the day. Yeah. You know what's fascinating is right now, that is what the unobscured season is about, hmm. is about the uh, spiritualism movement. Starting in my hometown of Rochester, New York. Noise. <laughs> Yay! We started a little too many things, like Mormonism.
0: <laughs> it, it kind of fits with, you know, art movements at the time. And because it wasn't that much after uh, like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein came back, people were kind of looking at humans' place in the natural world and the spiritual world. That's uh, when, like, the Romantic era was in art when... You just get these uh, people painting landscapes, these vast sweeping landscapes with just like a single human or, you know, two people just kind of being there.
1: Rochester's location was perfect for something like that because it was like dead on the Erie Canal. So it has a lot of influences coming in at that time Mm because that was like really big Erie Canal days. So there was a big movement of like the abolitionists were a big thing. There was the Quakers, the Shakers, the, the Candlestick Makers, you know. <laughs> but so they had that. It was right after uh, Mormonism kind of started to move its way westward. And the thing people don't always realize, like, the spiritualism movement was, like, the first time. Like, this is also when we're starting to see, like, the pickup of, like, women wanting the right to vote. And this is one of the few ways that women actually got a voice. Because, like, a lot of the big names back in the spiritualism movement were young girls. Yeah.
0: I know there was a set of twins.
1: The Fox twins.
0: Yeah. They were really big, and they were quite successful with that. So, making their own money. So, yeah, I didn't know the Erie Canal went through R- Rochester, so.
1: Oh, yeah. And, and so, like, you can still go on it. It goes through Pittsford, which is right outside of Rochester. Uh, they still have the locks. They still work. Mm-hmm. Um, It just doesn't, I think it doesn't connect anymore like it used to, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so we have like canal days and stuff. Cool. That's kind of like a festival there. So they explain the uh, resurrection spell and it says that the sigil must be drawn in precision. The central point is a locus of strong anima for the resurrected. The four outside points is a recreation of the events of great importance and power to the resurrected at each of the four distinct times, the full moon, the last quarter moon, the new moon, the first quarter moon. When the four steps are completed, the resurrected will return to life. So basically what that means in layman's terms is you have to have a sigil when you are doing the ritual and it has to happen at four distinct points. At four different times. So it's going to take place over a month on each section of the moon. I'm curious if someone's trying to resurrect Poe. I think they mentioned that in this chapter. And as soon as they did, my eyes rolled so hard.
0: <sighs> I mean, is there even anything to resurrect? Anyway.
1: Because um, they haven't even talked about... They, th- there's been no insight to the quote-unquote villain since the very first chapter. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, Sam, you know, after Sam explained the, sell, the spell, he explains that Samuels sold it to a bunch of people. Nothing happened, of course, and he was arrested, I'm assuming for fraud, and he committed suicide in jail.
1: Sam and Dean argue about... Whether or not the spell might actually might work. Might actually be real, and that uh, Samuels claimed that he had obtained the ritual from the rituals of the Hindustani peoples of the Far East. Hindustani is a language, not a people, says Sam. <laughs> And even if you met the Hindu religion, it doesn't even remotely track any Hindu ritual because, you know, they're, I guess, pretty well versed in rituals at this point. Mm -hmm. I feel like back then they wouldn't know too much because they seemed surprised a lot in the early seasons of, like, new stuff. Yeah. I don't know if Dad's journal... I feel like Dad's journal was more of a monster book of monsters without the biting. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And sometimes I wonder if... Like Dean would have been more well versed in this stuff. I think Sam would have had more of a grasp of the fringe information that Sam might not think would come into play with it. But Sam would be able to make that connection. But Dean would be the one who's really well versed in you know the the boots on the ground hunting the monsters and whatnot. So I was kind of surprised when Dean knew about you know yes it's not a people it's a language or religion and. That he knows enough about Hinduism to say that the ritual doesn't compare at all to it, So,
1: Well, he did say that the only reason he remembers is because he learned history in 11th grade, which I don't remember. Because, of his, because of his hot teacher. Because of his hot teacher, because they had to insert that. Yeah. Little bit of, like, masculine heterosexuality just to reinforce it. But Mrs. Like,
0: Modzuleski.
1: I will say, like, they have done more in this... I almost said episode, chapter, than in the previous six chapters. Yes, I started regaining hope. Because, like, they actually, like, they put stuff together, and Sam... What does he say? He marks the Poe Cottage on a map.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, he goes to the Impala to get the Bronx Street map, brings it back inside.
1: So he marks the Poe Cottage, then he erases it, and then he marks the actual spot the Poe Cottage was. Mm -hmm. And then across the street... Okay, and so they say the location of the or the original location of the cottage based on what the guy at the cottage said, what I don't remember him saying actually any of this. So that would be the locus of the strong anima. Anima is for people who don't know, that's like spiritual power. And they have already he said they already had the recreation of events of great importance and power,
0: which was the bricking of a person behind a wall as in Right, uh, so they're the using an-
1: stuff yeah. From post stories to as a thing of a significance of great importance. And so basically there's been two and so there's two left.
0: Because I think you and I talked about it in a past episode, like, where, yeah, everyone knows the Mask of Amontillado, but who knows,
1: who remembers the murder on the Rue Morgue? Very few people have read that. The only reason they know Rue Morgue is it's a very well-known horror term, but it's also a magazine.
0: Well, Well, they bring it up in here that, yeah, a lot of people would have heard of the Mask of Amontillado, but not many people would even remember that, so they... Uh, The author did kind of say, yeah, it's a really obscure Poe story. One that's not really given to kids to read in high school, but...
1: So, and they've figured out where the next two will be between two locations. They don't know which one.
0: Yeah. Sam says, the next Poe-inspired murder will be on Monday, either at Fordham Road and Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, or at Webster Avenue just south of Bedford Park Boulevard. So this sounds like a nice plot set up to get the boys separated. Potentially.
1: Potentially. Like, I would, like, I kind of wish we had pulled out a map, but I feel like the map's probably changed since just even early 2000s. Perhaps. Because if I was them, I'd be looking from a ritualistic perspective, it would either be going clockwise or Wittershins. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Just counterclockwise. Counterclockwise. (laughs) And... Because, like, I feel like it would have to go in a circle. I don't feel like they'd be doing it willy-nilly.
0: Yeah, I, I never thought about that. That's a good point. And so it's
1: like, they've got part of it. But, of course, I think they couldn't make that last step story-wise. Because it might cause, like, they might need it for conflict later on.
0: Yeah. Would they have the, the two points that they already have? Would it be starting that? Or would it be, like, here, here. And then they have to fill in the rest? Like, would it already be starting a circle, do you think? I
1: think, because, like, if you notice, he's, Sam says, like because I guess he already knows what the sigil looks like because he was drawing it on the map Uh in the spots. So like if it's making a certain symbol, I could see it going all over the place. But it's like if it's a four points, it's either a four printed circle or like a crossroads type thing, which a crossroads would make sense. Because if you notice, most of these are at a kind of crossroads. Yeah. Crossroads is a really good. I'm reading into this deeper than I think the author did just so that I can feel like there was more to this. I like
0: the layer that you're bringing to it. It's really cool.
1: From a witcher's perspective, like, I'm just formulating the spell in my mind, and this is going to probably creep people out. But if I was trying to bring someone back from the dead, Crossroads is always a good place to do so, because the Crossroads in America, witchcraft, is like the tori shrines in Japanese mythology. It's a gateway to get through something.
0: It might be why they use Crossroads as a way of uh, getting deals with demons. and Yeah, any kind shrine. of Crossroads
1: is a gate and so like any kind of intersections are going to cause power so if you're making any kind of crossroads sigil like you I still feel like you would have to go in a circle and so like if I'm making a spell and it's going to be a four-pointed spell of significance instead of like a five-pointed spell of like a pentagram then I would probably go clockwise because clockwise spells are to gain and since they're going he's going clockwise phase of the moon anyways, it would make sense to go clockwise. Interesting. So I don't know if that's actually how it's going to happen. I just know if I was making that kind of spell, like I'm not saying that this fake spiritualist dude made it up that way or if the villain's making it up that way. I'm just saying if I was that person. You're just
0: telling me and the listeners like types of things that would go into consideration of these rituals.
1: Yeah, I'm just I'm applying modern witchcraft knowledge. So like any half Asked witch might know Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and to me this guy is nothing more than half-assed witch because it feels like he saw a spell on the internet and he's just trying to wing it cool with murder
0: (laughs) (laughs) so um dean thinks that he might have a suspect in mind and he pulls up the laptop and uh, the creator of the poe website which i don't remember them looking at but i'm sure they did and it was the man with the large nose that sam had seen earlier when he couldn't find a parking spot at the house on a web
1: that he thought looked like someone and the guy's name and it's arthur gordon pym because he's got quote unquote guy's got a serious hard on for poe even changed his name pym's a character in one of poe's books seems to me like this guy would die happy if he got to meet his hero and we've seen nuttier motives Yeah, I feel like we haven't seen none of your motives so far, (laughs) but I'll give it to you. I can see a hardcore diehard poner doing something stupid like this.
0: Yeah, I did kind of find it amusing that Sam only has the generic Windows background on his desktop because he knows if he chooses anything, no matter what it is, Dean would make fun of him. Are you that (laughs) thin-skinned? You can't put up with your brother making fun of whatever you choose in the back. Anyway, it just kind of, <laughs> it was important enough for them to write about, I guess.
1: So, yeah. So that first half of the chapter is all the relevant information we're going to get this chapter and all of, basically all of the work that they've done this whole book. Yeah. So finally, we've got something to grab onto and sink our teeth into. Yeah. And now we're going to shift gears and basically get drunk with Dean. <laughs> So
0: about that time, um, yeah, Sam recognizes the guy and he tells Dean that he saw him at the the house on Webb. And at that time,
1: Manfred shows up.
0: He's like, damn, ain't listened to Floyd in a pooch's age. Good choice,
1: fellas. Never heard that phrase
0: before. So he invites them to the gig that night and Dean's like, yeah, wouldn't miss it. Ugh, Manfred, he says, far out or awesome, I guess. <laughs> just, just choose a phrase and stick with it. Oh. So, Sam it, Sam says, Well, if the spirit is always here after their gigs, maybe we should stay behind and see if it manifests.
1: Which makes sense.
0: Yeah. And then Dean says, Well, what about, you know, maybe it's something at the gigs?
1: That's following them.
0: Yeah. So, that could also make sense. So, I would think Dean could go and be happy, and Sam would stay home and they'd both be happy. But Sam knows that sending his brother to any kind of a rock concert, he's not going to pay attention to anything. So, he's got to go with him to kind of uh, do the job because Dean's not going to do it.
1: And that's the end of chapter 7. It's them planning to both go to Manfred's gig. I have to say Scotzo, I'm going to remind people because I forgot and had to look it up. Scotzo is the name of the band. Yeah, It's not the name of a person. Mm -hmm. Because for a while I kept wondering who Manfred was and I kept forgetting it's like, Scotzo's the band, Manfred's the person. I just really picture I feel like Manfred's parents are rolling in their graves about how disappointing their son turned out. He definitely got the house from his parents. Yeah. Trashed it.
0: I, I don't know why the fact that he had a Kiss Me I'm, I'm Irish mug required, like, a full paragraph. But that's okay. Otherwise,
1: Chapter 7,
0: good job. It's
1: I, Yeah, we finally got some information... It was something I could at least dig my imagination into Mm -hmm. instead of, like... Because, like, last episode, I really did feel like we were almost literally banging our heads against the wall. Yeah, there was a lot of sighs in that episode. A lot of frustration. I will let everyone know, you know, it's not going to be a drinking game, but parking is in every chapter. (laughs) Every chapter. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's getting to a point where it's like, I, I can't even process it in my head anymore. I just skip that paragraph. Yeah. Because it's always a paragraph. <laughs> At least. So,
0: moving on to chapter eight. All the good things I said about chapter seven do not
1: apply to chapter eight. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we do two chapters in each episode, because we need a buffer.
0: <laughs> the... The What was it? Five and six. Neither one was a buffer. But seven and eight. Seven is a good buffer. It, it It's carried its weight. So chapter eight. The Park in Rear. Larkmont, New York. Friday, 17 November 2006. Dean decided that the only way this night could possibly get worse was if he actually stuck red hot pokers into his ears. And that was looking like a viable alternative to listening to one more note played by Scotso. In his life, he had heard a lot of live music by a lot of mediocre bands. The low-spending necessities of the hunting life meant that three-figure arena tickets to see his favorite bands were simply out of the question. Instead, he took his live music where he could find it in dives like The Park in Rear. He'd seen bands in roadhouses, art houses, converted houses, and outhouses. He'd seen blues musicians in Chicago, jazz musicians in New Orleans, and cover bands in Key West. He'd seen college bands play in converted garages and garage bands play in college towns. And in all that time, he had never heard a band as wretchedly awful as Scotso. I don't know why this satisfied me so much. (laughs) that He was worshipping them so much. And then just to find out that they suck. Yeah, they suck so bad. So I
1: actually, I I feel like what it satisfies a need in us, the readers who I think that Lane and I have both started to grow to hate this book. And having Dean, I think, feel some of that pain with us, even if it's not at the same reason, was kind of cathartic. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of sections of the earlier chapters, we also not wanted to stick hot pokers in our ears, but our eyes. Pretty much. Because when I read, I do kind of feel some of the same emotions that whatever character it is is feeling... Which is why it took me, like, three months to get through Ender's game. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like, I think it was, like, it just made me happy that he was also feeling at least some level of frustration at this world.
0: Yes. <laughs> we were. And the only thing that makes going through this book fun, you know, just making the podcast and getting to bitch about it with you. <laughs> and spending time with you. And it, it makes it fun. So... I didn't really take in-depth notes, so I'm just kind of going to look through it.
1: Two things that I highlighted, for me it felt like, like, I don't I don't remember him hating on certain bands, like, this way. I probably omitted it in my head because I just didn't care too much when Dean talked about classic rock. Yeah. Like, I like classic rock. Mm-hmm. Like, I just remember him, you know, Driver Picks the Music Shop, that shuts his cake hole. Yeah. That was basically the extent of it, and I do feel like he had a, like, a Led Zeppelin cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Because he says that you know he'd seen bands whose pretentiousness was only matched by the strain of their emotional baggage put on their voices as a follower of classic rock he'd seen what years of bleeding till their veins pop had done to the likes of Robert Plant and Steve Perry and Robert Plant is the lead singer of Led Zeppelin and Steve Perry I believe was the lead singer of Journey and I don't remember him hating on those like most people hate on Journey especially the classic rock fans
0: so, but those bands didn't bother Dean so much because the only music they were ruining was their own. They played for crap, but they were playing crap anyhow, so what the hell? So, Scotso, on the other hand, they were covering some of Dean's favorite songs, and he's we never really heard him talk about his favorite songs, which some of them are Cocaine, Ramblin' Man, Rock On, and Freebird. No, even God help him, Freebird. So I don't know if that means it's a guilty pleasure.
1: I feel like, okay, so I feel like it's a guilty pleasure because, like, I don't remember if you remember, like, the Wayne's World movie.
0: I actually haven't seen it.
1: Well, okay. But (laughs) I think you probably saw the scene of, like, no Freebird.
0: I know know how musicians... I I know the... They feel like Freebird, the way cellists feel about Pachelbel's canon.
1: Well, yeah, because it's overplayed. Like, yeah. They, they feel the same way about Stairway to Heaven. hmm So it's like Freebird's not a bad song. Yeah. It is a overplayed song. Yes.
0: So he starts describing the
1: he band members. bitching about the band members.
0: Yeah. So there's a drummer who's the only short-haired man in the band. He's horrible at uh, keeping tempo. He's missing the cymbals. And between songs, he always does a rim shot whether or not anybody said anything funny. And if that wasn't bad enough, he also wore purple shorts and a puke green t-shirt, which, you know, who cares? It sounds like the Joker. See, the bass player had the presence of a really bored bored Redwood. He stood straight wearing a black t-shirt, black vest, black jeans, some black cowboy boots, black hair, unlit cigarette... The keyboard player was the only one besides Manfred with some serious gray in his hair and the only one of the long-haired set that tied his back into a ponytail, which just accentuated how much he'd lost on top. He did an amazing job of matching the notes of the songs they were covering without managing any of the feeling. So basically, he's playing technically correctly. He's just not really got his personality or his soul into it. And he's apparently better at keeping tempo than the rhythm section, which is kind of the funniest aside there. So Dean says, The best cover bands did one of two things. Some made the old songs their own. Others perfectly recreated the original experience. These guys were only halfway to the latter because they didn't so much recreate as imitate. And at that, the keyboardist was only marginally good at it. Okay, so then I want to read this bit about Manfred.
1: Just because she hates him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then there was Manfred Afiri. A man whom Dean had respected right up until he opened his mouth on the stage of the park and rear. It wasn't that he sang off key. He hit the notes, although on some, all he could manage was to slap them around a little. But he had no power, no oomph, no soul, no heart. Hell, if it wasn't for the microphone, Dean doubted he'd even be able to hear Manfred singing, which, thinking about it, would have been a blessing.
1: So he goes to the bar and does an early Dean wanting- he hits on the bartender for like five pages- (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And makes one of her taste of music because she, like me, likes boy bands, and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm hmm. So, and then, like, she mentions she has a kid, and Dean does, like, every old school douchebag thing of, like, flinch, but she's still hot, bull crap. I just, yeah. Uh, Dean is not shown very well in the next couple pages. It, he just gets drunker and drunker, trying to deal with the sound in his own way and hit on the one pretty bartender in the dive bar.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, and her name's Jennifer, and she notice, notices him as being a newbie, which kind of surprises me. I guess if it's that much of a dive bar, they probably just have regulars, and any kind of tourists might go to a more, like, an easier-to-find bar.
1: Jennifer is an older woman. Yeah, late 30s, did they say? Something like that, and uh, she was making fun of Dean's age for a minute, and I forgot how much of a baby he was back in the day.
0: Yeah. She kind of reminded me a bit, like, I was picturing her a little bit like, oh, what's her name?
1: I was picturing the, the seer lady that Castillo burned out her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember her name.
0: I remember her tattoo. Who's Jesse? He wasn't forever. But yeah, I kind of picture her because she's a little bit older than he. A little than bit older, he.
1: a little bit friskier, and like really hot.
0: Yeah. So, Scotzo finally finished Free Bird. Manfred said they're going to take a short break
1: mentions the guitarist who to me I think becomes kind of an interesting character for like half a second just because like the characters were very lackluster in this chapter yeah and they said that the guitarist was the only one who had any kind of talent and was the only one like not drinking and not being gross I guess yeah apparently he was not a dirty hippie he actually washed his hair
0: Jennifer knows the band uh, because she says to Dean that he ain't like most of Manfred's friends. I'll give you that. For one thing, you ain't got enough hair. And this makes Dean think of Ash. And it made me think of Ash with his mullet. And it made me smile also.
1: Oh, yeah. And Manfred comes up to the table with like a little, very underaged, groupie-type girl that I guess is his niece?
0: Which, okay, that that was one thing I was going to talk about. Let me find where it says.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to find where she is. Um, Uh, Her name is Janine. I pictured her like Becky mm -hmm. with uh, more of a Fran Drescher voice.
0: And I think of her with Fran Drescher collaring. Like if she's... And
1: like Fran Drescher
0: hair. (laughs) I'm thinking of her more like (laughs) Snooky.
1: Kind of, but like I did see a lot of Becky in her. Because like Snooky. Always looks like she's 35.
0: Yeah, so put Snooky's like, coloring in with Becky's personality. And probably her face. And Fran Drescher's voice, and I think we've got a pretty good...
1: Yeah, and because, like, they do kind of, like, mention her annoying voice, but, like, her name is Janine.
0: Yeah. And that's
1: a very New Jersey name.
0: <laughs> yeah. So... Well, it's New Jersey. So Janine lets out a long sigh and rolled her eyes again. Says something about her stupid mother And to which Manfred says Don't make fun of your mother baby She's the best cousin I got And then he's like like, cousin cousin. And he says yeah Uh, Janine says my uncle Freddie's the best Uh, One Well I only have one point so One If her mother is Manfred's cousin That makes Janine and Manfred First cousins once removed Not uncle and niece
1: but a lot of like cuz i do have a lot of cousins who are older than me like way older mm-hmm. and you do see a lot in families that have multi-generational cousins like that where sometimes the younger ones will call them like an uncle or aunt cuz it makes more sense age-wise
0: yeah, it still ain't uh, just because it, no, it's, it's still I'm just technically it is, it is
1: technically a thing that people do like my family we don't we just call everyone cousin yeah. but i have seen it like especially it's more with really little kids yeah
0: I mean, yeah, because people do that with family friends. They're not even related and say, like, this is Uncle
1: Joe or whatever. Yeah, I have a lot of, like, non-related relatives.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, at first, I thought maybe her calling him Uncle Freddie, I just thought that. But then later, he calls her his niece. And I'm like, no, she's not your niece. First cousins
1: once removed. But it's just, like, does he know? Really, how are they related? Does he know? said
0: his mother, her mother is his cousin.
1: I know. But, like, what I'm
0: saying is, like... And hell, we don't even know if it's their first cousin. She might be his second cousin once
1: removed. They're probably, like, both not the best examples of their family. Yeah. Because, like, she's her, she is checking in on her daughter, but the fact that her daughter's there in the first place. Because oh, yeah. I think this girl's, like... He, Dean says that he leaves let out a relief sigh since the idea of this young woman who couldn't have been older than Sam, and Sam was in the early seasons of 22, mm-hmm. was hugging Manfred for sexual reasons filled him with a slightly queasy feeling. So... At least Dean shows that he thinks pedophilia is wrong.
0: <laughs> you know it wouldn't be pedophilia
1: if she's 22. Yeah, but sometimes with an age difference like that, to me it feels like it.
0: Uh, I mean, sometimes big age differences can make you feel a little awkward, but it's still... If they're above 18, both I of them, think that's fine. also,
1: like, the reason... That Dean thinks that it's because, like, it's this cute girl with this gross older guy. Mm-hmm. And I think... Well, like a, an
0: older guy that he no longer respects like he did before.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I personally don't feel like Manfred was deserving of any kind of respect. And later on, when they get back to the house, he really doesn't deserve any respect. Yeah, he's very much a, a he's, washout. He's... I don't understand why Ash is friends with him. Or washout? Wash out. What's... It's washout.
0: Okay. I yeah. think it's
1: washout and burnout. It's the same. Burnout. That's what I was thinking yeah. of. He's definitely a burnout. Yeah. At
0: least Ash has his brain going for him. Yeah. I don't think think Manfred really has anything going for him, other than that he owns his own house and. I think the the only reason
1: that Ash is friends with him is, like, Ash is the kind of person who doesn't judge other people.
0: Yeah, he really is. He's such a gem. Why did they get rid of him? Like,
1: he just accepted people for who they were at face value and just kind of said it like it was. Yeah. And they really should have had more of him.
0: Yeah, goddammit,
1: creators of Supernatural... Uh, not God rest his soul, because we do know what's going on in season 15.
0: <laughs> I don't. I haven't watched it yet.
1: Yeah, but you saw the season ending.
0: Yeah, but... All right, so...
1: Look, we all know God's a tool. Yeah. This <laughs> has been apparent for many seasons. Uh,
0: so Dean's saying, or Sam says, By the way, Dean, I think I was thinking that tonight, after we deal with Manfred's spirit, we go check the house on Webb, uh, partly because the parking would be better. Uh, Something they're talking about, a bet they had about whether or not the NYPD would find everything. Um, Not really a whole lot. Talking about the zoo, university lawyers, those were Fordham University students who died and that means the college is in full cover your ass mode. There's a little bit of a flare up with Sam regarding their dad because Dean is still saying, he's still trying to lob the possibility that, you know, they don't know for sure 100% that the ritual is fake. They just... As far as you know, it's only been used a couple of times and it just ha- didn't happen to work those times. And um, he's like, do we know the ritual is fake? And he challenges Dean, you know, it's because dad said so, right? Except what if he was wrong? I mean, he was the one telling us that vampires weren't real. But then in Manning, bingo vampires.
1: So he's... Yeah, Dean said that dad didn't think vampires weren't real. He just thought that they, were they were extinct.
0: yeah. And the point is that dad didn't know everything.
1: Right. Like Sam is pushing reasonable points Mm -hmm. because like, you know, I think he's a little more open-minded of stuff that happens in this world because he's very much of the opinion of like, it doesn't, everything could be happening. He's one of those, like, if one thing's true, all of it's true Mm -hmm. until proven not true. Because like he even says that the Samuels guy, he didn't, he only tried the, the spell a couple of times. Like so, how did how did they know it doesn't work?
0: Well, he's saying that it isn't Dean the one arguing for. Like maybe it does work, and s- no, it's the
1: opposite. Uh, Dean is pushing back and kind of like shutting down because because you know it does show oh. like the whole. Him sticking to what his dad's saying. Yeah. And Sam pushing back on a lot of, like, what his dad says. So they're still doing that even though John is now gone. Mm -hmm. I see where I
0: misread that now. I mean, we know the ritual's fake. Okay. So I kind of flashed with that. So, yeah. Sammy's the one who's saying that we don't know that 100% for sure just because dad said that. And, like,
1: you know, Sam is being much more open-minded in this point than Dean. But, like, if we watched it, Sam would probably come across as being kind of like a whiny jerk. Mm -hmm. Just because, like, that is kind of how he used to argue back then. And, like, they do talk about how Dean does mention how Sam uses different faces arguing with him and arguing with their dad. That's angry face and kind of scary. The dad, when he argued with his dad, it was always angry and it's more imploring, I think was the word that they used with Dean. Mm -hmm. Because it's more of, like, I'm nudging you so that you can think about it, but I still respect you. Mm -hmm. And I think with the dad, it was always, like, just, I'm fighting.
0: Yeah. What was that one episode where they were, tr- I think, telling a story to Bobby, and they were each telling their side, and then they how they viewed oh, the yeah. <laughs> other? And it's like, blah, 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Also, I remember the vampire episode with the dad very clearly, because Sam did the dumbass thing they always do in shows that's going to get you knocked on your ass, where he was fighting with his dad, chest out, arms back, and uh-huh. it's like, face open, yeah, ready for punching.
0: Oh so, uh, and Dean
1: makes fun of his gin and tonic, which, like, Dean is drinking beer, Sam is drinking hard liquor.
0: He called, he called gin and tonic
1: a froofy drink. Yeah, he's like, what is this, Masterpiece Theater?
0: I've never, ever had a gin and tonic, and I want to try it. Uh, There's a lot of drinks that you always hear about, like martinis. I've never had it.
1: I like a martini, mm-hmm. but I like a dirty martini, because I need that kind of, like, the olive brine to, I guess, mellow it out, but... Gin does not sound good. I've had an old-fashioned. I did not like it, and it knocked me on the ass. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to feel like the next time we do a commentary episode, we should like try to mix up something and drink along with it.
1: Oh, Lord. I think... And you can sleep here that night, too. The next season, we should just drink. I think it's going to be how we get through it. What, season 15 or the next season here in the... Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, the next book. Gotcha. Yeah, like, he goes back and talks to the, what's her face, Jennifer. Jennifer. And she says that, you know, she's a real soccer mom. And, you know, of course, Dean is acting like guys would back in the day. And be like, ooh, But but she's still, and in his head, he's like, well, yeah, but she's still hot. And the guys, their break is over. And Janine is, like, flirting with Dean. Janine is the younger one that's cousins with Manfred. Because I know there's two J's. There's Jennifer and Janine and Dean decided the last line for me embodies the whole chapter is Dean decided there wasn't enough beer in the world.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, like we're joking about drinking through this book and it's just like, I don't think there's enough alcohol. (laughs) to make this a good book though you know it started out strong in the last chapter yeah so th- there's there's potential so there it just it gave me some hope that maybe it just like maybe he's not good at starting books like it was just rough and so like i was like yes finally something and then that was only half a chapter and then another chapter and a half is just crap It's just crap.
0: It was just enough to kind of
1: tease us along by the nose hairs a little further. Yeah, it was just enough. And then we're introduced to two characters who we'll probably never see again. And just like, they did talk to the guitar player in this. We didn't mention it. And he seemed to have kind of a handle on things a little more. I guess the description of the band was interesting. And like, if we're thinking about this like a show, they would have moved there. That is a logical next step to... If you're picturing your head like a camera, but just reading through it makes it harder.
0: I can imagine the direction of, uh, like, when they go to the gig, they get ready to go to the gig. I can see them showing Dean all excited and he's ready, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it just cuts to him staring blankly. Yeah,
1: and so, like, that helps. (laughs) Yes. Like, that made it more tolerable because, like, you can at least, in these two chapters, I will give credit to the author you can at least see he is trying to make it flow like a, like an episode of a show, mm-hmm. and writing in a way that you're trying to picture it like TV. That's hard, anyways. Yeah. So like I'm giving him credit where credit is due, where he actually like put some stuff together. This is a long book that's supposed to be like an hour long show. Yes. So it's dragging. Yeah. And like he's just he's filling it with stuff you don't need to make it last longer, so that it like can justify being a book.
0: And that is often where a novelization or a, a a novel with licensed characters can shine because they can get into the characters' heads, but it's got to be done in a way that doesn't feel like filler.
1: This one and it just feels very simplistic. Like I don't know if like maybe he just doesn't like the show or maybe I think like,
0: he I think he does like the show though because like, remember, remember the remember the acknowledgments at the beginning.
1: That's true. I've kind of forgotten about those. But <laughs> this book is so long. <laughs> I do think he is trying his best. Like, I don't think any author goes into it purposely making things bad. And there is a lot of limitations with pre-established characters. Right. And so we'll see some of the hiccups of that continuity-wise in the next episode. Um, Chapter? No, like in our next episode. Oh. (laughs) And so, like, you can see... Especially, I think, at the beginning. And, like, I'm going to give this the author a lot more credit than we have been. Because we are judging this from a 2019 standpoint. The show itself, in when it started, was rough. It was good. It still holds up for me. But it was rough. And there were, like, good episode, bad episode. Good episode, bad episode. Yep. And so, for me, it, like it is kind of following good chapter, bad chapter. <laughs> the book is rough. And the show was rough. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really have a streamlined continuity because they didn't expect it to last this long. No. They expected it to last, I think it was season four. Yeah. It was either four four or or five. And that they were like, this is... Wherever Swan Song was, which is I think the end of season four, that was supposed to be the final episode. Yeah. They hadn't really planned past that because a show like Supernatural wasn't expected to be popular. And especially in the early days, people don't remember this because they don't... A lot of these, especially like younger fans... They don't remember watching it on TV. When the show started, it was one of the first shows, like, that was actually CW show. Because, you know, it was WB, then UPN, then CW. But also, they changed in, like, especially towards the middle seasons, too. They kept changing the, the time.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: moved from, like, a Friday night show to a Thursday night show to a Wednesday night show. Mm-hmm. Because they were trying to, like, adjust the ratings on it. Because yeah. it didn't do great. And it
0: didn't quite have that cult following. And you can't plan for that. You can't say, I'm going to make this show that's going to be a cult favorite. It just has to happen organically. It has to have the right chemistry, the right balance of writing and character actors, and, you know, the bad stuff still being tolerable because of X, Y, and Z.
1: And they were very lucky because they were... The early 2000s was a good time to start a show. Yeah. Because if you notice, a lot of the shows that became big shows, like Criminal Minds started in 2005. Yeah. Those shows were, they they were given enough room. So like, if you're stuck on a Wednesday night and no one's watching you, that's when Supernatural did start saying like, fuck it, I'm just going to do whatever. We're just going to add some crazy stuff that we like to the show. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of like where things started to get popular. It was something
0: it, different. It kind of filled a, a Buffy void, didn't it?
1: Buffy was actually, st- I think, still running. Mm-hmm. It was towards it was towards the end of Buffy. Angel, yeah, it definitely was because Angel and Supernatural started the same year. Oh no, I think Angel ended when Supernatural started, so it did fill a void of that. I'm trying to remember. I think
0: Charmed had already been long gone. gone.
1: So Buffy might have been over because Buffy started in like ninety eight, ninety nine, and it ran for eight seasons. I can't remember who ended first. It was either Angel or Buffy that ended first. I think it was Buffy ended a season before Angel did. Angel had five seasons. Like, so there was kind of, like, a turnover void. And, like, me especially, and I think a lot of earlier fans, a lot of us kind of started watching because Jared was on Gilmore Girls. Yeah.
0: And, and his so, character was named Dean, wasn't he? Right.
1: It? So we followed Dean, too. <laughs> and so, like, because I remember... I. My brother and I started watching it. And I it was to fill a void because I remember, yeah, Angel ended that year. And so, like, there really wasn't a whole lot of supernatural stuff. Angel and Buffy have a cult following now, but they also had a hard time. Yeah. And were moved, shuffled around and stuff.
0: I think that's why we lost characters such as Ash and some of the others, because it didn't quite have the cult following. Like, they didn't know that he would be a fan favorite. So that's why they're okay with having this character being written out so early on in, yeah. in the show. And then later on, they're like, oh shit, man, people loved him.
1: And yeah, we did get him an episode, and that was good. Yeah. I enjoyed that episode. I can't
0: remember, was it Monster of the Week who interviewed him? The actor who plays him and...
1: He was in the Hillywood show, the second Supernatural parody. I know. I'd... It took me forever to recognize him.
0: And he, he does his own paranormal hunts, I think, in real life. So I think it's kind of it's cool. Uh,
1: the Supernatural Twitter. Because I was checking our Twitter, I think, yesterday or something. They had put Richard Spike Jr., in charge of the Twitter for the day. Oh, God. And so that was entertaining. I love him, by the way. And, like, I can I can get behind a Sam type. type yeah. ship.
0: And the the episodes that he directs, they're wonderful. Mm. He, he does a great job directing. So.
1: Should we address what's been going on in the Supernatural community as of late? Because since we last recorded, there's been two... One good thing and one not-so-good not yeah, thing. I know the
0: not-so-good thing. I don't know the good thing. Well, the good thing is...
1: Jensen's album just came out,
0: <gasps> yes, and that was
1: very good. He,
0: that man can sing
1: I was shocked, I really was. I was expecting a more country sound, mhm, and it is
0: not <laughs> he's got i i i will I haven't bought an album in a long time. I will buy his
1: stuff because
0: I just he's his voice is
1: beautiful, yeah, Jensen just came out with an album, um, what was it called? Because our friend Stacy sent it to us, yeah, and. Let's see. Well, because she had said something, and I was just like, is this on an episode? Because I remember they kept saying Christian Kane was going to be on an episode season 15, and Christian Cain does a lot of, like, country music. Yeah. As well as acting. And that was when I started sharing a bunch of links of him singing at different conventions. Right. Um, Radio Company.
0: Okay. It's
1: called Radio Company. I want to get that and it's like you know and if you if you don't want to buy it or anything check it out on YouTube it's pretty pretty damn good yeah so and then of course uh Jared got Jared got arrested mm-hmm. for assault
0: mm-hmm.
1: and drunk in public yeah and i haven't seen a whole lot of backlash from the like i do believe the supernatural community is a family and when you have someone in the family who like Jared has been very outspoken with his mental illness and mm-hmm. like mental illness plus alcohol is never a good mix.
0: Yeah. And I know a lot of us are probably disappointed.
1: Yeah. It's, but was, we, oh.
0: but we also know that he, he is going to be more angry at himself than we will be angry at him.
1: Right. Cause he's a dad and yeah. he's like, so like he missed Halloween with his kids because yeah. like he was in jail while they were trick or treating. Yeah. So he's already beating himself up. Yeah, and like Jensen talked about it in a convention because he did miss one because of that. And Jensen, you know, he said it very well, where like, you know, he made a mistake. He's working through it with yeah. his family. Yeah. You know, he really appreciates everyone's support. Yeah. And apparently, Jensen brought him to set the first day in handcuffs.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I he
1: agree with had, that. he had made a joke about like the cast wanted to wear orange jumpsuit. And you gotta
0: give him shit about. They it. couldn't
1: do it. They couldn't get it in time. So yeah. like they're a family. They're working with him. And like I'm not trying to make light of what he did. Yeah, because, we don't like, condone what he did. We're I think we're more understanding because he has been very open about his stuff. And like I do believe there's a supernatural fa- family, as like a fan group, we aren't the kind of fan group. That burns someone's career for one mistake, yeah, I, I think most of us we've been with them so long, I think we' we'll, we would refuse. So we do stand by Jared and his family, and we hope that he learns from this mm-hmm. and because and realizes like maybe if he has an addiction problem to get help, yeah he knows he knows to seek help, he knows he's got a good network of people his the people like me from his always keep fighting campaign who were touched by that we we will stand behind him 100 percent yeah and it's just you know unfortunately when you're in the public eye your rough patches are out for everyone yeah. to see fuck tmz yeah for showing up and like videoing that stuff Lee just god
0: I worry about the impact it's going to have on his own mental health. He's right. going, like he's, I said, he, he's going through it. I feel that he will beat himself up about this for a long time to come and much more so than any of his fans ever will.
1: Yeah. And like, I think anyone with a mental illness knows like you're going to be your own harshest critic. Yeah. Part of it is like, he he's accepted responsibility for it. And as a person with a mental illness, that's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. If you fuck up. Yeah. You have this excuse of, well, I'm crazy. I'm crazy. But you still have to deal with the consequences of that. Yeah. But, yeah, so we're being very supportive. Jared is, you know, he's gone through a rough time anyways. This is the end of a big chunk of his life. Yeah. He's not going to be with Jensen very much anymore. And, like, that's his family.
0: Yeah. Um, And I kind of consider
1: that being a factor in... I think he's scared to move on to his next project because, like, you know, when you're in a situation like Supernatural where you can kind of act out and be weird and all that kind of stuff, that's one thing. You know, it is also a CW show, so like he does, they do know him well enough. I was worried that this might affect his chances mm-hmm. in that sh- in the new show, but you know, they haven't really said anything about it. CW seems to be kind of supportive. Wasn't he? He's the new Walker Tech yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so I was worried about that, but he is in a time of turbulent change in his life, and I can see how things could happen that would make it hard for him and you know we don't know the situation of what everything that went down so it is not my place to judge
0: Mm -hmm. i am glad that he has another project lined up after supernatural he needs it uh yes for in my opinion jensen is the better actor of the two (laughs) um not saying jared is is bad but uh I I am glad that he he has something lined up because I was worried that these boys would have been kind of typecast. When you're in a certain role for so long, Mm -hmm. it can be hard to find something afterward. So we'll see what happens. We know Jensen is doing singing. Has he been cast in anything that we know
1: of? Not that I know of. I think he might be taking a break. You know, him and his wife run that or are in charge of that brewery in Austin. Uh Uh-huh.
0: I know he does a good bit of voice acting.
1: Yeah, and there was like mentions of him being in some kind of like superhero show mm-hmm. but I don't a lot of that is fan rumor yeah. and fan art but they will be fine yeah so we'll just like we'll draw this up we just wanted to address it we you know we we are aware of what's going on in the community right now um, that's just our take as older fans and you know you just gotta be more understanding towards people and Mm -hmm. luckily I haven't seen a whole lot of backlash from the fans Yeah, I think a
0: lot of them kind of feel the way we do Like it's like oh Jared why'd you do that? Sorry I got a little heavy there at the end but
1: yeah we just you know address certain issues and then we're gonna do chapters 9 and 10 in the next episode Uh, I believe
0: yes we just did 7 and and 8 yes 9 and 10
1: do come next so let's look forward to that and hope that something happens yeah, we're getting towards the middle. Like my my Kindle says, we still have like three hours left of the book. <laughs> so fun. Just buckle in, kids. <laughs> we're in for a ride.
0: I'm not sure if it's gonna be a bumper car ride or like a pace. Anyway, um, <laughs> we'll just we'll just leave that. Until next time, see you at the roadhouse. It's still not working. It's, my, it, no, it's terrible. I love it.